0: Okay, we, uh, wow. Good job. All right. Well, I don't have a clock, so I'm assuming this one's okay. Close enough. Fantastic. A few announcements. First of all, Wednesday night. Fantastic. I think, uh, you know, the kids were great. Adults, you were great too in terms of uh, preparing and silence. and It was amazing. I thought it was amazing. So, thank you very much for entering into the service quietly and reverently. I thought it was awesome. Uh, the one thing, though, we've got new candles. Big adjustment for a lot of us, I think. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I just heard, uh, I just heard some stories about, you know... We gotta keep an eye on that when that's, when that's burning down. You gotta move the thing down, I'm just telling you. Just not pointing any, I'm not looking at anyone right now and I'm not pointing any fingers, okay? <laughs> For those who know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you might be like, what is he talking about? In addition, uh, before the today's service, similar to what we do in Lent, there's private confession and absolution available. So if anybody uh, would like to partake of that great gift that God has given us, starts at 515, it's in the back chapel. Peter Savitsky, he's the, uh, the gatekeeper. And one of us pastors will be sitting in the chapel uh, to hear confession. So if you would like that, please do take advantage of that. It's a great gift that God's given us. And... Uh, I highly recommend it. Okay. Every year, I think we need to say this: 10 to year-end giving. So, you know, if you have something to, to give for this year, please do think about it. <laughs> Lastly, big thank you to Kara Holter and the rest of the Christmas Sharing crew. Hi, everyone. Good job. <clears throat> Uh, Yeah, it works seamlessly from what I, 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 no major hiccups? Anybody? I don't know, Carol. Carol, any major hiccups? No, No, except for Pastor Nelson not listening to a, it all worked out though. See, the Lord worked it out. I got a phone call on the emergency line and I'm not a very good note taker, I guess. So this woman called, said she couldn't, be there the time where she was supposed to. I said, I ah, don't worry about it, just come whenever. <laughs> so I called Carol. I'm like, hey, uh, how long are you going to be there today? She came before everything was done. But Carol said, well, what was her name? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> what was her phone number? I don't know. So I, I'll learn next time to be more, yeah. Oh, okay. See, there you go. Awesome. You know what? <coughs> it's, it, yes, it's it's wonderful. I love it. Okay, great. Well, yeah, but seriously though, thank you very much. I mean, it's it's a it, it's yeah. It just contributes to one of the all the wonderful things that St. John does, and the how the Lord uses St. John. the The thing is though, too, it also just contributes to the life of the congregation, right? And us. And this time of year, and Advent, and as we prepare for Christmas, you know, there's these, not to get too much on a tangent, but every family should have rituals. You really should. And different times of the year really require families to have, you know, specific rituals. And, you, and every family does. You just, everyone does. You know, so whether it's you know you, you you go out to Lee's trees in Virgil, Illinois, and cut that tree down on that day and that specific time, and then bring it in and singing you know, oh Christmas tree in the car on the way back. I don't do that, but somebody might. <laughs> you know, you have those you have those family you have those family traditions that you do, and then also too as a congregation, we also have these things. Now again, those are acts of services acts of service but that contributes to the life of the congregation at this particular time of the year. And without that, you know that it would be like unsettling for St. John, right? So we're at the point now in our life together where we have to do it. According to the gospel though. We get to do it, Uh, but we get to do it because if we didn't, it would almost like St. John wasn't St. John anymore. So that's, that's something that's really important, which Well, we'll get to that in a second. All right, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you have given us a model of life in the Holy Family of Nazareth. Help us, O loving loving Father, to make St. John another Nazareth, where love, peace, and joy reign. May St. John be deeply contemplative, intensely Eucharistic, and vibrant with joy. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. We are going to enter into the last two studies before Christmas and we're going to try to start applying everything that we've been talking about, the Holy Family and it being a template for our life together here at St. John, and we are going to, we're going to start putting it together today and next week. Hopefully we'll get through it. But, you know, the fundamental promise that is holiness is the vocation of all the baptized. We, everyone has... An opportunity to contribute to the life of the family and to grow in holiness. So, I have a quote here from Martin Luther, which I really love. I really enjoy this. Because it's like realist, it's describing our life. And by the way, we, we have to always delineate between prescription and description. And sometimes when we muddle those two, it, it turns gospel into law. So, all right, this life, the one that we're living right now, therefore is not godliness, meaning absolute, but the process of becoming godly. Not health, but getting well. Not being, but becoming. Not rest, but exercise. We are not now what we shall be, but we are on the way. The process is not yet finished, but it is actively going on. This is not the goal, but it is the right road. At present, everything does not gleam and sparkle, but everything is being cleansed. That's really important for us because, again, is there any, how many broken people are in here? Anybody? Okay, great. So we understand that no one, we're on this road together. And again, when we misunderstand our sin as the, let me, let me backtrack if we misunderstand how sin keeps coming up in our life as a lack of trust and faith, then we get in trouble. Because the most important thing in our life is being on that road, being on the way. And you are in the right spot because you're with Jesus. But Jesus never stands still. He's always moving. He's always on the way. So some of us might get a little freaked out that we're always on the move. Have we we arrived at the right spot yet? Well, yes, because we're with Jesus. But no, because there is a destination. There's a destiny for all of us. And we don't want to confuse that or get scared about the movement and our change in our life because we're with Jesus. And so that is really important for us then to understand that You know, any person, any family, any congregation does not have everything figured out, but are growing into who God made us to be. And that echoes, it's a very Advent thing to say, echoes Luke chapter 1, 17, make ready for the Lord a family prepared. So like, for instance, back to what I said about Christmas sharing. If we didn't do Christmas sharing, we would, it would be like we were St. John anymore. There would be like this thing, like thing in us. We were like, ugh. It's not right. So as we are engaging in these acts of service, we are who we are. This is who we're meant to be. We're we're doing the things that we are meant to be be done by us, and thus we're becoming more of who we are. And of course, that's only based on what God has done, well, the last four weeks, what we talked about. So as we think about this, St. John is a spiritual family born through the waters of holy baptism with the seed of God's gospel word. We are continually renewed through the means of the Spirit that deliver the cross and resurrection of Christ. One of the interesting things is, some of you might have heard this phrase, means of grace, I like the means of grace. In our Lutheran confessions, that phrase doesn't, actually isn't in there, but the means of the Holy Spirit are in our Lutheran confessions, and I, I prefer that phrase to "means of grace," because, well, the Holy Spirit's a person; it's one of the, th- you know, one of the th- three persons of the Trinity. And God delivers, so the Holy Spirit is freighted or delivered through the means of the Spirit. What are those means? Well, those are the sacraments: those are the Word of God, baptism, confession the Lord's Supper, and so that is important for us as we engage those things. Well, hang on, I'm getting ahead. In this family, our spiritual parents are meant to be the heralds of the gospel regarding the children first. They are to pray with them, read the word of God with them, and introduce them into the body of Christ, both the Lord's Supper and the congregation. Okay, So our spiritual parents from last week, we understand that that's not just simply biological, but our spiritual parents are everyone that's come before us in the church. And so this is again at times where we start to reflect upon our lives together and maybe see things we could have done better. Things we did that we shouldn't have done or things that we didn't do that we should have done And that's a real thing for all of us to confront in order for our family to heal and to grow. However, through repentance and confession, even if our spiritual parents haven't done things right in the past, through the confession and repentance, they show us the way forward even. And that's really important for us because one of the things that you know I'm, I'm pretty adamant about is our life as a congregation has to be focused on children and that is not to the detriment of adults but in fact i'm encouraging spiritual parents to be spiritual parents and and so when we come to church we are le- like we're leaning into the children of God, and again, it doesn't have to be a five-year-old. It could be a new, a new Christian who's 85 years old. But we have to be bent towards them. So, children—literal, biological children, or spiritual children, like new Christians—we have to be leaning into them because, without that, they won't hear the gospel. This, the, the, we are the means which God uses through the Holy Spirit, right? The means of the Holy Spirit, we receive the sacraments, the sacraments live out in us, and in precisely that way. Well, we, yeah, we're already doing that, but we have, we gotta keep doing it. So, the part of that means is there's a lot of effort. It's hard to love people. How many people it's easy to love your family, anybody? Because uh, it's hard for me. It's, <laughs> I mean, I, lo- I love loving my family. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's hard. It's ex- you know Sometimes you just want to, well. Have I told you my favorite thing in the whole world to do? I know some of you know this. My favorite thing in the entire world is to sit on my back patio on a sunny day and just look up in the sky and just kind of meditate upon the greens and the blues. Between the tree and the sky, I love doing that. I love sometimes with a cold beverage, but I could just sit down and listen to the birds, look at my flowers, and look at the sky. Oof, that sounds wonderful. You know how many times a year I do that? I'll let you know when it happens. Um, so loving family is difficult. But I think most of us are okay with, like, the difficultness of it. Like, the effort, I should say. Or, like, the, ooh, I got to get up, you know, for, like, you know, young parents. Like, I got to get up at 3 a.m. and pick the baby up. And, you know, in whatever version that is later in life. It's the risk that's hard. And there's a great amount of risk in loving family. Uh, You know, there's failures and successes in taking those risks. And that is hard for us. But we do, through the mutual support of one another, by the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we have to kind of embrace that and not shy away from that. And how we shy away from that is in two ways. By denial, meaning, oh, I don't have to do that. Or someone else should have done that. Or absence, meaning, well, if I'm literal, like, I just pull away. But if we engage those things, then we become fully who we are. So, uh, and what are those things? Prayer, God's Word, and liturgy. These are the three things. I mean, this is, so far. Next week, we'll, we'll deal with uh, three more. But we see this already in the Holy Family. It's the prototype of all families. Okay, so the Holy Family had an identity and an, an, a mission. A mission. I think of the um, first couple of chapters of Matthew. What it, you know, you talk about taking risks. What did they have to do? To they had to go to Egypt. Oh, even before that, they had to go to Bethlehem. I mean, <laughs> just think about this. You had a baby, and the, you know, wise men show up, you know, and then, you know, angel shows up and says, hey, by the way, the government's out to kill your baby. You got to get the heck out of here. Many people, you're kind of like. Is that was that the burrito I ate earlier tonight? Is that is that for real? But that's what happened. So talk about risks, taking risks, loving your family, the amount of effort. You know, it's not like Joseph had a bunch of money lying around to make a special trip to Egypt to see the pyramids. I mean, these are great risks at great costs to love his family, and and that's what he does. So the the Holy Family is is this paradigm for us as we think about. Our, our, our calling and our identity, our identity mission. And of course that's to create a civilization of love and a sanctuary of life. And every family has this mission then to guard and reveal and communicate love and life. Um, and since we forget, we always have to be constantly evangelized to keep, to keep it coming, okay? So how that happens, divine service. You know, I, I really hesitate. So this is one thing is that, you know, there's very few churches in the Missouri Senate that has like church services as much as we do. know, I just, I mean, right, you can come to church almost every day here, which is awesome. That's exactly right. But we have to understand, so again, so, this is important for us to embrace this part of our identity and realize to really kind of savor it. And when we savor it, we also have to understand that it's, 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 there's an openness to it. We'll, actually, we'll talk about that next week. All right. But what happens in the divine service is that we see the bridegroom embracing his bride. I, I think a few weeks ago maybe I mentioned this. So the, the, you have these kind of two peaks in the divine service. You have the, the gospel reading, and then you have the Lord's Supper. You know, and everything kind of, kind of builds up to these two peaks. The first one, the word of God, is, is the bridegroom telling his bride how much he loves her and how much he wants to spend eternity with her. And then in the Lord's Supper is where the bridegroom gives his life to his bride. And then through that, life should, there's its fruitfulness out of it, because we receive the life of God through the through the, His Word and through the sacrament, and so that that goes out into the world. So already in the Divine Service we understand that this is the means in which God is creating family. There's nothing beside. This is the this is the fountainhead of creating family. So those of us who have children, this is why. We want the children in the church service. We don't have a nursery at that time. This is why we, you know, we want everybody to embrace all children, whether they're five years old or 85 years old, new Christians, and, and making this place a, a place for them. I talked to a pastor recently. He's, he's a new pastor, young pastor, and he wanted to talk about like engaging with families. And, his conundrum was very interesting because he would plan like um, things on Friday night for families or things on Thursday. And what we would call here at St. John, we'd call those on-ramps, like things to get onto the, the St. John way or the Jesus way. And, and he said, oh, I'll have fantastic, great, wonderful things for this. And then Sunday morning, nobody shows up. And he, he, just, he's like, he, he, he just was very frustrated with it. And he was frustrated because he understood that in the divine service, this is where the family's healed, and the family is made right. And then this is where the family grows. I mean, I, it was very peculiar talking to this young man. But th- he understood that you can have all the great things for families, but if you have no families in the divine service it's it's for nothing there's no there's no sustaining power there so what happens and then in terms of the the family i've already just kind of described this you know is that the so we understand as parents spiritual parents of all the children here we understand that god is speaking his love for us and that he is giving himself to us to create this family and this is precisely kind of the image that we have in the Lutheran Confessions. I, 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 may, I used this quote last week, and I'll just use it again, because we didn't have a tough time to, we didn't have too much to, to break it apart. But this is on the large catechism. Martin Luther, large catechism, we all know the small catechism, this is, there's a large one. And it's on the third article of the Creed. And i got a couple things highlighted. First is this family imagery, mainly maternal of the understanding of the congregation where the Holy Spirit leads us into the Holy Congregation and places us in the bosom of the church where he preaches to us and brings us to Christ. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of graphic, I understand, but well, that, you just think about that image. I mean, you think about you know, a child at the bosom of a woman and how that child is being... Sustained and fed. But not only that, it's growing closer. Hmm. You know, I, okay, so <laughs> think of, I always think about this. You know, if there's, there's a few images, well, by the way, I, I really like that picture of the Holy Trinity. I think I've said that many times. I really like Mary in there because she is resting secure, not only in the arms of Joseph, the protector but she has her left arm precisely on Jesus. And I don't th- I don't, there's very powerful images in my life that I've, I've seen. And there's nothing more powerful for me than to see the loving gaze of a mother towards her child on her breast. I, I think that's it's, it's a really amazing picture. You might, not, you, know, I don't know, you might not think about church that way, but apparently I do because something is being created there there's that relationship being created there there's a family being and and so that's what the lutheran confessions use to describe what's happening with the holy spirit and christians then they talk about how well here okay skip down a few lines the work is done and accomplished meaning christ has acquired and gained the treasure for us by his suffering death and resurrection that again the primary mover and shaker in our lives, the one who brings us together, is, is our Lord Jesus by the means of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 3, 14 through 15. The, the fatherhood of God defines the, per, the parenthood of mankind. So it, it, it starts with Him and is sustained through Him. But what's interesting about this is this relationship between the church and the Christian, one by Christ, cultivated by the Holy Spirit, that this treasure, therefore, might not be lied, buried, but be appropriated and enjoyed. We go back to, you know, yeah, life, lo- loving your family is hard, but there's a certain sense of joy inside of it. The deeper, like a deeper meaning, to the risk, to the struggle, and to all the effort. Okay, God has caused the word to go forth and be proclaimed, in which He gives the Holy Ghost to bring this treasure home and appropriate it to us. The word "home," very powerful. You know, we do like to use the word "institution" when we talk about the church. But again, our Lutheran faith refers to the church as a home. What lives in homes? Families. So again, we have mother-child. Now we have this domestic understanding of our life together. And when I say domestic, I I don't mean like home economics from middle school. I mean this, 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 well, the picture on the front. That's it right there. Okay, therefore, sanctifying is nothing else. Sanctifying, being made holy then bringing us to Christ to receive this good to which we could not attain ourselves by whereby but whereby does the holy spirit accomplish this or where or what are his method and means to this end answer for in the first place he has a peculiar which i love that word peculiar congregation in the world which is the mother that begets and bears every christian through the word of god now peculiar of course doesn't mean strange It means unique. Everyone in here, there's three important things about you. You are absolutely unique, absolutely irreplaceable, and you're absolutely unrepeatable. I just think about that for a second. There's only one you. And I think, you know, we we kind of quib that quite a bit to a lot of kids, right? When there's only one thing in the world Let's say, like, one huge diamond of, like, I don't know. I don't want to think about diamonds. It, I, the Pink Panther popped in my head right here. <laughs> right? One, there's only one of these kinds in the world. What do we do? We treat it like a treasure, right? But all you are, there's only one of you in the entire universe. And not only that, God, but God did it on purpose. So... This is then again, this is the character of our family, then. I don't know why I said that. That's tangent. Okay. But what's important about that then is, is that God created this. Okay, so God creates this work. And parents then are called into that same work by giving life. But it's not just giving the life, it's also raising the children. And so this is this is this is what's happening in the divine service. We don't have, there's no future for St. John unless people come to the divine service, come to church to hear God's word and receive his sacraments. There's no no future for us without that. And that's precisely because when God makes one person unique, irreplaceable, and unrepeatable, then there is a raising of that person, a nurturing of that person, And those are all, it's the same movement in God, creating life, sustaining life, raising life. It's all the same movement by the Holy Spirit. And and that comes through the education of the children. Again, we have to understand education a little bit differently than, you know, how we maybe think about it. Because education is defined by God's fatherhood. The family is instructed in God's own way of teaching by the Word. The Word, capital W. Who became man man, and revealed to humanity the greatness. The Typo, sorry. Not the greatest of their humanity, but the greatness of their humanity. That is being a child of God. That is the true meaning of education which I love, I love that. The true meaning of human education is to make sure the child knows the greatness of being a child of God. Because you know who doesn't want them to know that? Satan doesn't. That's the number one thing. He doesn't want that. So all of our efforts are towards that. You know, whether it's 2 plus 2 equals 4, or John three sixteen. Through Jesus Christ, all education within the family or outside of it becomes part of God's saving method because it's revealing God's whole plan. But God's whole plan culminates in his love, which is precisely displayed in the Lord's death and resurrection. So all of the universe points to God's love. And so the the death and resurrection of Jesus is like the universe... It's the meaning of the universe, right there, boom. So hopefully, when you teach your children two plus two equals four, maybe that might be it might change your mind. It's like woof, I'm actually engaging in the meaning of the universe. How does that happen, Pastor? Again, there's a tapestry of life. There's this whole thing of life, and all these little things inside of it are telling the whole story. Without the gospel. It looks like chaos. It doesn't seem like it has any meaning. But with the gospel, everything coalesces into that one thing. God loves you. So every bit of the universe is working towards that. Science and English and politics. And okay, so that's why when I said a long time ago about male and female and the contribution to life together, is that they all have a part in all that story. Okay, never mind. The heart of our redemption is the starting point of every process of Christian education, which is likewise always an education to a full humanity. St. Irenaeus has a great phrase. It's in Latin there. And it's been translated a few different ways. The glory of God is a man fully alive, or is a fully alive human, or... I, th- I think... The literal translation is just the glory of God is a living person, a living human. And that, that's exactly what our education should be for, is to, to, to uh, yeah, create life. All right, so education does not deal with just simply fostering maturity, although that's part of it. Okay, but we have to understand as baptized persons, we're gradually introduced into the knowledge of the mystery of salvation. Into that God is love, love displayed in the death and resurrection of Jesus, given to us through the forgiveness of sins, by the means of the Holy Spirit. Okay? We need to introduce them into that. And then they need to grow more conscious of that gift of faith, which they received. I mean, this is the givenness. In baptism, they have everything they need. You have everything you need. You know, because every baptism we say, I believe in... God the Almighty, you know, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ his only Son. You know, we go through the Apostles' Creed. Everything is encapsulated in the Apostles' Creed. Our whole faith is in the Creed. And we're confessing that the little baby says yes to that. And when we say yes to that, that hopefully should remind us and help us then to continually to grow more conscious of the gift of faith that we've received. And again, we do this for for the children. Oh man, I thought I was going to be able to remember this. At the very end, uh, just before we say amen, we welcome you in the name of the Lord. The pastor says something like, you know, we want to hear your word, receive your gifts. Boy, I can't remember. I said to myself, I don't need to put it in there. That way I can keep it to four pages. But (laughs) Um, anyways, we confess this in baptism, is that this child's entire life, entire identity, the growth of their education is really for the fullness of their life. And that happens in, you know, especially through liturgical worship, but then also to being trained. So that's through prayer and catechesis. And then it grows in maturity through hospitality, specifically service to others, a winsome witness, and then tithing, or sharing of our self, sharing of our, our resources. So that, that, again, this is the point of our existence. And the more we engage in this, the more we become who we are. So then as we, as we're, so really education, like when I say education, Again, I I mean that kind of holistically, whether it be Christian education or 2 plus 2 equals 4, which is symbolic for what we consider our, you know, going to school. All that is really devoted to helping the human know who they are. The unveiling of the absolute uniqueness, unrepeatableness, irreplaceableness that God has made them. And without the gospel, they would never know that. But it can, it's, it's, it's actually practiced by the spiritual parents, which is all of us in this room. However, the biological parents have a primary spot. So that means all spiritual parents are subsidiary to the birth parents. And we, that's what sponsors do. Godparents. to fulfill what we are unable to do. Rejoice in the words of he who called you out of darkness. Thank you very much. Rejoice in he who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. <laughs> we welcome you in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Michael Hopkins. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful phrase. I'm like, I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't forget it. Baptist, or for the baptismal uh, sponsors, we also ask this question, will you do this, will you do that, and, and fulfill what we are unable to do. But it always starts with the parents, then it would go to the the sponsors, traditionally, and then it would go, what that we is inclusive of the family of God. So this is really important for us, is that as parents, like biological parents of our children, while everyone has a, part in raising each child in the faith, everyone who is not their biological parents have a subsidiary role. But, but it's essential. So it's not, it's not like it's you can do without it. No, no, no. You, you, it has to be part of the whole thing. Because I think I, uh, the proof is sort of in the pudding when we think about you know, just take a look at America and all these churches where I, I've talked to so many people who said I, I did all the right things. I brought my, you know, I said my prayers and I brought my kid to Sunday school. I brought my kid to Lutheran Day School. Da 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 da, and now they're not in the church anymore. Well, that could be because of attacks, attacks of Satan. I I've never heard anybody say, and the rest of the church loved him so much and. And they kept away. There's been a lot of surveys about why kids stay in church. and or I'm sorry, when kids, when they're adults, why adults even stay in church. And a lot of it has to do with not just the right teaching, but it has to do with the, the community, the spiritual family that loves the child. And, and this is something where, again... So when I talk about subsidiary roles of all of us, it's not a less than, it's an essential part. It's part of this whole puzzle. And without it, it'd be like a puzzle without, with missing pieces. You know, you have like, <laughs> how many people have done a puzzle and like, you have one piece, that, like a thousand piece puzzle and you have one piece missing? You, that means you have 99, 999 pieces correct. But when you look at that puzzle, what piece are you looking at? The one that's not there, right? So this is the same thing, is that subsidiary role of a church in the wider context is like that missing piece. When it's not there, ah. Because, I mean, when you've done this, right, you say, ah, oh, what a waste of time. Shouldn't have done it in the first place. Well, Maybe you don't say that. Maybe I'm just revealing a little bit about Pastor Nelson's personality, but... I feel like it's a good analogy because when one of these things is missing, it's just not right. And when we think about that in terms of a child, again, spiritual children, whether they're 85 years old or 5 years old, them growing up in the family, when there is this peace missing, it's a struggle. So this is where prayer then comes in. And prayer is a return to the original solitude. What does that mean? Okay, so we have divine service, we have catechesis, or the word of God, being trained in the word of God, and then we have prayer. These are like these building blocks before then we engage into the outer outer world. Just like learning God's word is an endeavor of the heart and mind, right, head and heart, prayer is a practice for the whole person. And so what's interesting is when you go into prayer, you stand before God completely vulnerable, I put Luke 18, the Pharisee, and the uh, tax collector, but uh, it could be a Sermon on the Mount. Um, uh, the, uh, the God who, who sees and seeks, you know, go into a secret place and go into the prayer closet. It's the same idea. You're, you're going before God, completely vulnerable, which echoes Adam before God in the Garden of Eden. So what does that mean? In prayer, through Christ's word and spirit, God reveals himself in his purpose. To you, which is precisely what Adam experienced. Adam was perfectly himself before God. He knew he was loved by God perfectly, but, but that same love also showed he was meant to love another. So this applies to the family of prayer. St. John has its own Particular. Oh, I forgot to get that out. Of here. Particular subjectivity. The snooze. Uh, it's its own. Its own ethos. It's its own way of being, and it's confirmed and strengthened by the Holy Spirit precisely when we pray, our Father who art in heaven. So we're in this moment with God. He is defining who we are, and we address God as precisely as Father. And we are perfectly who we are when we are praying before God. When I say perfectly. I don't mean, uh, I I mean, we're doing exactly what we're supposed to be doing in that moment. I don't know if you ever feel that way. I think I brought this up in Men's Bible Study. If anyone has ever experienced in their life a moment where they say to themselves, I am in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, you know exactly like what, that's what prayer should be every time. You should be before God, and you should know that I'm in the right place at the right time, doing exactly what I should do. Because that is contentness. And then that's where God reveals things about yourself and about his purpose for you. So when we think about prayer, prayer strengthens and spiritually unifies the family. Because the Spirit descends in prayer enlivens then the inner life. There's no family who's spiritually unhealthy who has a robust life of prayer. But the opposite is common. A family who does not have a robust life of prayer is often spiritually unhealthy. So in our church here, so, you know, looking back and taking a quick, again, that doesn't mean your life's perfect, your family's perfect, nothing bad happens, your kids don't rebel you, you know, are a perfect person or anything like that. But this is the engagement of the battle. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's why I have those pictures there. From last week again, right? So you have a mother and your father. You have a mother and a father protecting their children while they're they're praying. You know, because Satan doesn't like it. Hellfire does not like it. So here at St. John, you know, if we do a little inventory. I already mentioned about divine service. We do it a lot. Everyone's there, and we try to be joyful and beautiful and excellent. So that's good. We want to keep it up, and we want to continue it. Catechesis. I just talked to somebody recently about how they brought some people to St. John, and one of the things they said about St. John was, oh, you got a lot of stuff going on. And I didn't really thought about it. I'm like, yeah, we do. So we have the ark for little babies. We have Sunday school, we have confirmation, high school, Bible study, and adult Bible study. That's all on Sunday morning. That's all catechesis. And then we have Joy Group, Pastor Chats, Men's Bible study, women's Bible study, and the catechumenate. We have a lot of catechesis. Our prayers at church. Obviously, we have the prayer of the church. And I encourage everyone to use the online form. When in doubt, fill it out. Okay? Then we have our healing service once a month, uh, the first Sunday of the month. And I I think I just want to put a huge plug out for it. Because the healing is done in the prayer. We have to make sure that we understand this, is that Prayer works because we're praying. It's prayer it's not like, oh, I think my you know my 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 bad back isn't healed, so prayer didn't work. No no, no. prayer works because you're praying. Because you are drawn closer to God in prayer. St. Paul, Second Corinthians. Three times I asked the Lord to remove this thorn from me. And three times he repeated, my grace is sufficient for you. So his prayers, now again, that doesn't mean you stop after the third time and just stop praying. That, that is a symbolic of, of Paul's life of prayer is that he kept praying even in the midst because his strength was made perfect in weakness. That's When you go into prayer, you got nothing. You come with open hands. So, again, prayer is working because you are praying. I know that, that seems circular, and to an extent it is. but. So, I, I had this quote last week in the outline, but I just want to use it again. Because one of the defining characteristics of a family that's engaged with Christ by the Holy Spirit is joy. It's life. Yeah, I... You know this is this just the way it is but at the end of it at the end of this quote we have to understand there's dangers to every family every god christ is protecting us at all times because the devil hates a joyful family and one of the things that we'll get to next week is that i don't think you guys maybe maybe a lot of people don't think about this but the just the notion of a family is becoming a political statement and when i say politics i don't mean democratic republic it's, it's a statement about something. And, and that's really important for us because we're just trying to live God's life. We're not, we're not, we got, we're just, we, we got no like, we got no issue. We're just living the life that God has given us. But we actually will have to have a defense for the family. I, I, that might, it's very clear these days because. Two major reasons why. One is the rise of childlessness in Western society. The birth rate is dropping dramatically. In some European countries and Asian countries, it's, it's, un, un, it's unsustainable. That those countries will not exist if they keep going the way they're going. Whether you like it or not, on some level, that means people don't like children. I know, that's how, I know that's not how a lot of people feel about it, but that is, that's just it. If you don't have things around, that means you must not like it. So, the other thing, though, in the world, and I, I'm not saying that people are doing this diabolically, oh, I hate children. I think, actually, I think a lot of people don't have children because they're broken people and they need healing. And I've talked to a lot of them. I'm not having a child because... I can't do it, I, I, I'm, I'm a broken person. I, I can't, so anyways, so the, the, but then the next thing too is just you know, sort of the, there's some major movements in Western governments that are not conducive to family life, and there's cultural trends too. Nothing to do with politics, but you know, the amount of work involved with people that takes dads out of homes, or requires both parents to be out of homes. Those are all signs, those are all struggles that is not conducive to family life. And that's a detriment to our life together. So anyways, so the family will become a political statement. We gotta go. I'll tell you, next week I'll tell you a story about a Texas woman. And I, yeah, Anna. So I- I didn't put them in there. Did you say thank the vicar? Oh, they're there. I, 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 pastor Bruzek, we can thank for, because yeah, that's one of the jobs his senior pastor gave him. so. <laughs> Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done